When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From the Mobile Pod World Headquarters, this is the Carolina Insider from Learfield IMG College. We're back. Time for another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones, Adam here with you. Adam. I've got some breaking news to start off the pod. Okay. It's Friday, Adam. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Fun, 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 fun. Looking forward to the weekend. What's up? Did I scare you? Did I give you a little Halloween scare? That was a trick, not a treat. (laughs) Man, uh, we're excited. Busy, busy, busy weekend coming up in Chapel Hill. And we'll be previewing it for you today. Tar Heel basketball underway tonight, 7.30, Friday evening. Carolina versus Winston-Salem State. First exhibition game, only public exhibition game. And there's not a whole lot of time between that exhibition and the regular season as Carolina gets going on Wednesday of next week. But we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming exhibition matchup tonight in the Smith Center. On the, or in that theme, we will also have a basketball guest today. Adam, we're going to talk to grad transfer Justin Pierce on the show had a chance to talk to justin a day or two ago and um really enjoyed getting to know him a little bit better so that's coming up too he's a smart guy but also he can play ball yeah he's got uh he's got the brains and the baller gene he's got both and he's gonna be important oh no doubt 
So we'll talk to Justin about a little bit about his past, how he got to Carolina, what it's been like since he got here, etc. And, of course, a massive football game this weekend, Carolina and Virginia. Coastal Division lead on the line, and whichever team wins this game takes a big step towards representing the Coastal Division in the ACC in the championship game. So, all of that coming up. We're going to start with football after, Adam. I ask you to get in that elevator in Memphis with our good friend Jim Nance and fire up the music. Because we're brought to you by the Pinehurst Resort. The reinvented number four course by Gil Hands. It was named the best new course you can play in 2019. Nine courses, one's the nation. You, you go and visit Pinehurst.com because when you do it, you'll be planning your next golf getaway. Do you remember? We're due for a heck of a game today, Adam. It's going to be a heck of a game between these two. You're right, Jim Nance. It will be. Luke May is going to break everybody in Kentucky Blue's heart. Do you remember when we tried to have Jim Nance on the podcast? Yeah. And the way he said no yeah. was so, like the most respectful, yeah. classy yeah. way of saying no chance of all time. Yeah. I've got such great respect for your podcast. <laughs> but no. <laughs> You guys who I know very well, <laughs> I respect a lot, but there's no way I'll be joining you. <laughs> I prefer to keep our relationship just just friends, where we have these talks and they're off the record, not recorded, and I then I leave and don't remember who you are or <laughs> why you matter. Never think about you again. Jim Nance, you, and Chris Weber... <laughs> One day. Your whole except, CBS mafia. Except for, quite honestly, probably never on Chris Webber. <laughs> We've been so close, Adam. So close. Had his hotel. I have Chris Webber's phone number in my phone, Adam. We should call him. I'll tweet it out right now. <laughs> Go to the pod Twitter and follow us, and then you'll see Chris Webber's phone number. <laughs> hey, Chris, are your timeout still running? <laughs> I, before we get started, Adam, I'd like to address something. I, I know exactly what you're going to say, and I'm glad you're going to put this on the record. So, we received a tweet from our good friend, friend of the pod. Chris Weber. Chris Weber. Andy Bagwell. Andy, co-author of the Duke Sucks book, if I'm not mistaken, asked this question, Adam, out in internet land. Right here, I'm looking at it. He says, did I just listen to the first ever pod that Adam and Jones recorded while dot, 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 um, dot, 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 partaking? He said the second half was about 50% laughing. Actually said giggling, but I'm not going to drop myself to that level, Adam. And 50% actual pod content. Andy, I'm going to tell you something. There are only two things that Adam and I are high on in, in Pod World Headquarters. Number one is the Tar Heels. <laughs> and number two is life. 
And if you can't have a good chuckle about those two things, Adam, I don't know what you're doing. Well, Andy, here's the thing. This is a stressful time of year. It is. And I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Most times when I come into Mobile Pond World Headquarters, I'm mad about something. (laughs) But somehow, getting to talk to you fine folks out there in Pod Subscriber Land, it makes me feel happy and feel that maybe it'll possibly be all right. (laughs) Now, that all changes when I go back out and get mad again. But when I'm here, I enjoy this time. And the fact that you want to try to bring me down (laughs) is starting to make me mad again. Can't somebody just be happy about the heels? They beat Duke. Yeah. Pop pass got picked. (laughs) You want me to be angry all the time? One day, Adam, on the Bad Boy for Life (laughs) podcast. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. When we can put out the rest of that story time from John Mm -hmm. Chris. That was one of those that we did, and then after we did it, we were like, that might be pushing a little too much for us. (laughs) Like, if it was just the Jones and Adam out there in the world podcast, we could have done it. Yeah. But not here on the Carolina Insider. Right. We went as far as we could go. Yeah. As far as we felt comfortable going here on the Carolina Insider. Maybe that would explain why it was 50% giggles (laughs) if you had heard what we heard. (sighs) Don't hate. Elucidate. All right, let's get to the Tar Heels against Virginia. Hmm. Adam, it is, uh, boy, it's a big game. Um, you know, the Cavaliers started the year 4-0. They're 1-3 in their last four, but it's not like they've lost to terrible teams. They've lost on the road at Notre Dame, lost on the road at Miami. Who who knows what you're going to get with Miami. They're talented enough to beat anybody and wacky enough to lose to anybody. And they lost at Louisville a team that's very clearly getting better. And, again, while I know you may scoff at this, they're the cross-divisional team, so they see each other every year, and I do think that makes a difference in today's world where you don't see the other teams on the other side all the time. Um, so the point of that is, Virginia, yes, they have struggled over the last month record-wise, but it's not like they've been just getting blown out by bad teams or something because that isn't the case. I'll give you what I think makes you nervous about Virginia, and then I'll tell you what I think is where the Tar Heels may have some advantages. First, what makes you nervous is I didn't realize they are excellent on defense. Not good. They are excellent. They're ranked number 11 in the country in total defense as far as yards allowed per game. They are second in the ACC in that category behind only Clemson. And, I mean, Adam, on average, they're only giving up 281 yards per game. That is a really low number. No one has gained 400 yards against them in a game this year. The most they've allowed is 360, and that was to Louisville last week. So you know they're going to be a little bit mad about that too. It's going to be salty. Yeah. They are really, really active defensively. In fact, I kind of feel like they play defense similar to how the Tar Heels do, but they're more experienced at it, and they have recruited to it a little bit more. But they have 32 sacks on the season, which I think is concerning if you're Carolina because the Tar Heels have struggled giving up pressures at times. They have 67 tackles for loss. Just to put that in comparison, Tar Heels have 49. 
and they do it in a similar way, like I mentioned, to the Tar Heels. They run a 3-4, but they come from all different areas. You never quite know where the pressure is coming from. Their linebackers are really good, and they're just, they're just a great defensive team. I think that is concern number one. Concern number two is their quarterback is terrific, Bryce Perkins. His numbers are not as good this season as they were a year ago, but he is a player that can hurt you with in both facets of the game. He dominated the game against Carolina a year ago, accounting for four touchdowns, three passing, one rushing. He had more than 100 yards rushing last season. And maybe more than anybody in the league, I feel like you can feel like you've got him and then you don't have him. And all of a sudden you feel like you have a sack and he scrambles and gets 15 yards. He's just really tough in that way. And then the third strength, Adam, before I allow you to say something on this diet, this long monologue I'm giving you, the third thing is they have one of the best kick returners in the country in Joe Reed. In fact, I think he is the best kick returner in the country. Two touchdowns already returning kicks this year. He has five in his career. And even in the ones he hadn't scored touchdowns, he's given him great field position consistently on kick returns. He is uh, its just somebody that, that makes you take account of what he is doing. And even last week, Louisville kicked away from him and whoever Virginia had back there with him would turn and toss the ball to him. Like They, they didn't mind giving up those precious couple of seconds on a kick return because they'd rather him have the ball. He's that good. So that, that's an area that the Tar Heels are going to have to be prepared for, which obviously they will be. And that's an area where Mac Brown hasn't been completely pleased with the consistency yeah, that's right. with kickoffs. Yeah. I think Carolina's covered pretty well, but I think Mac Brown's been pretty clear – that hasn't been exactly what he wants it to be. This is the week that's going to matter. You need to kick it out of the end zone, yes. which I can say because clearly I could do it every <laughs> single time right. if I needed to. Just kick it out of the end zone. Yep. Just kick it out of the end zone. Don't try to be too fancy with it. Boom, right through the end zone because Joe Reed's really good. Yes. Uh, all the other things I think you said are correct. You got them all right. Uh, Bryce Perkins, slight question about his health. Yeah, he was shaking up. In the first half of the last game against Louisville, hurt his knee, came back, was not as effective when he returned. I fully expect him to play. Whether or not he's 100%, I don't know. So I think that plays a role. The The Virginia coaches this week have said he is going to play, but then they haven't wanted to elaborate on exactly what the problem is. Right. Uh, so there's that. I mean, I think this goes into some – away from the things you should be concerned about and into the things that might encourage you if you're a Tar Heel fan. Virginia's averaging almost twice as many points at home as they are on the road. Yep. I, I don't know a reason why other than perhaps the caliber of the competition. I don't think it's like they, they don't know how to snap the ball on the road or something. Right. But I do think they've played some pretty good teams on the road. Maybe that's got something to do with it. And also they've got uh, defensively they are really good, but Carolina's going to get them for a half – without Jordan Mack, who's probably their best player on defense. Yeah, and Bryce Hall, who I think was their best player on the team coming into the season, uh, unfortunately for him, suffered a really severe injury in the Miami game um, and is out for the rest of the year. And he was 
a team captain, a leader, a, a senior, a, a cornerback who was really, really good. Uh, but he is out and hurt and out. Jordan Mack is out for the first half due to a targeting call, which Bronco Mendenhall has made very clear this week that he did not agree with. Uh, but he is out for a targeting call in the second half of the uh, game a week ago against Louisville. And a true freshman is backing him up. So you just would expect not to say that there still won't be execution, but there's just going to naturally be a step back. Uh, so we'll see um, from that perspective. Also, if Virginia has not run the ball really well this year uh, to this point. Now, obviously, they they have perfectly capable players to do so, but they're only averaging 105 yards per game on the ground. That is last in the ACC and 123rd out of 130 teams in the country. So their offensive numbers are interesting, Adam, because they're low in total offense, rushing offense, passing offense, but all of a sudden, scoring offense, they jump way up. Or they average more points per game. They're at almost 30 points a game. Uh, they are better than the Tar Heels in that regard. Now, I think some of that has to do with, we mentioned Joe Reed. So, long kickoff returns. He scored a couple of touchdowns. He's given them shorter fields because he is so good in the return. So, that could be the reason why some of the numbers are down. Their game, they hold the ball a long time. Uh, Virginia does. In fact, uh, they are number one in the league and top 15 in the nation in time of possession, so they don't mind having longer drives. So just fewer times you have the ball, you're not going to have as many yards. And they've scored some defensively too. And so I just think that's worth noting that, yes, their offensive numbers aren't great, but they've also put up some pretty decent scoring numbers. Uh, They're top half of the league in that way. Also, some of that is they've had some big scoring games, which has kind of evened that out. They scored more than 50 against Duke, or 48. It was something like that. Uh, they had a big game against William and Mary. That's when they scored over 50 earlier in the year. So they've had some games that have stretched out those averages some too. I think another way they're weird is their defensive numbers are really good, but they're not very good defensively in the red zone. Yeah. If if you're good on defense, you ought to be good on defense. So I don't know if that's having not seen every game they've played. I don't know if that they're having some communication issues when they get down in the red zone and things are a little tighter, but they're bottom two or three in the ACC in almost all the red zone defensive categories. So you would think if Carolina can get the ball down there, they've got a pretty good chance of putting it in the end zone. I feel like this will be a similar game to the Duke game, just as far as not saying the ending of it, saying the way it plays out in that I don't think there's going to be – it's not going to be 48 to 45 or something. I feel like possessions are going to be important. Field position will be important. Turnovers will be important. All the kind of boring stuff, but I I think that that is all going to come into play in this because I don't think it will be easy to score in this game. Special teams, kickers, yes, going to be important. Yes. You can't miss two or three field goals and expect to win this game. Both these teams have had multiple field goals blocked this year. Carolina's had three blocked. Virginia's had two blocked uh, this season. So there's been – there's been some wobbliness there. Uh, Adam, as we've talked about, really expect a terrific crowd in Keenan. Um, sold out, as we know. It's been a hot ticket. 7.30 Saturday night. A lot on the line. Carolina has some momentum after last week. I, I expect it to be a terrific atmosphere. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been a great crowd all year long. 7.30 gives you even a little more time to get ready. Uh, everybody understands the importance of the game. It's an opponent who people care about. Um, 
that whole the whole Carolina Virginia quote unquote rivalry is odd, but the last time Mac Brown was here, it was about as heated as it's yeah, ever I think been. It, I think we talked some about the Duke rivalry heating up. I think this one has cooled off, but that doesn't mean it's not an important game or these two teams don't want to win. But I, yes, I the nineties. It felt like this was along with. State, I feel like the two most heated games that the Tar Heels played. And I think if if you are a person who was a Carolina football fan in the 90s, I think you always pretty much felt like Carolina was going to beat State. But the darn Virginia, yep. every once in a while, they'd jump up and bite the Tar Heels when you didn't want them to. And we all know the time that they did that hurt the most, which is still the most painful Carolina football loss ever. But I'm over it. Uh, so... I think it's going to be a fun one. I think I think this is the game it all comes together. Wow. I do. I'm like the A team. I love it when a plan comes together. This is the game cuz Carolina's getting some some bodies back. I think that's that will be interesting to see. So Miles Wolfuck, Trey Morrison, Nick Polino, Jace Reuter have all gone through practice. Reuter is not expected to be available. The other 3 kind of up in the air. And Mac Brown, I think, has made a very valid point about the three of them. You have to take three things into consideration. One, how painful, how sore are they after these days of practice? And it's safe for them to be out there, or they wouldn't have been cleared and they wouldn't be out there. But just how does their body react to being out there for the first time in several weeks? That's number one. Number two, and I think two and three go together, two being the most important. How confident are these players – in playing on these body parts. So if it's your leg, are you confident in planning like you normally would be? If it's your arm, are you confident in throwing that shoulder into somebody to help make a tackle? Whatever. And I just don't think you know until you start going through it. And sometimes that takes a little more time. And that's an, both these things we've talked about are very individual things. And then the third thing, which goes along with both of the first two, is how effective are you? Or if you're 90% and not 100%, are you – more effective at 90% than whoever would be in that spot is at closer to 100 or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? And so I do think by the time they play Pittsburgh, because remember Carolina has an open date again next week. So by the time they play Pittsburgh again, or by the time they play again, which is against Pitt in a week and a half, I think you have a higher chance of seeing all three of those guys and maybe even Ruder as well, at least available. This week, it's much more of a let's wait and see. And so – clearly any one or all of those guys would be a huge addition because they're all three of them were starters. All three of them would help the depth issues, particularly in the secondary, those two. And we know the issues that Carolina's had on the offensive line at times, and, and Polino's a veteran guy who's who is one of your better guys. So getting any of them back would be a boost. And you just said the word that I also think is important. They're veterans. Yeah. I think Carolina sometimes has just got so many young players out there that you can have one big mess up that turns into seven points. Well, all the games are decided by two or three points, so seven points, that's the game. So I think getting veterans on the field, especially against a team like Virginia that's not going to do dumb things probably, I think that helps. Adam, anything else football-wise before we talk about a little basketball? You should get tickets to Mercer if you don't yeah, already have them. Honestly, those tickets are going quickly, and it is senior night or senior day. Don't know what time that game is. Uh, senior day, and 
no matter what, and I know you say we say this all the time, and I mean it every time, but I feel like I mean it even more this time. I mean, I feel like this is a senior class that's worth coming and saying thank you to. It's been a rough couple of years. This has been a team that has been uh, very resilient, that's gone through some tough times, that's getting better, as we know. And there's so much excitement for the future that I think you have to remember the sacrifice is a strong word, but you have to remember everything that these seniors have put into it too because they're laying the foundation right now for what we all think is coming in the next year or two. And Carolina could be playing for a bowl. Sure. And you can't underestimate how powerful it would be for Mac Brown to be able to go into the offseason and tell people Every we sold, sold out the entire yes, season. No doubt. There's very few schools who would have that ammunition on the recruiting trail. And if Mac Brown's proven you anything in these first – eight months or so that he's been back on the job, if you give him the material to work with, he will turn it into something. Yeah, he's going to use it effectively. So if you will give him that material, it'll produce in a way that you like. It would be huge for Carolina, and he's talked about this, which has been teams have been chirping. Uh, They don't support football there. Well, there's nothing you can say when he goes into your living room and says, we sold out the entire season. Yes. So that's a couple weeks away, but think about it. Think about it. If you're on the fence, think about it. We'd love to see you in Keaton Stadium. Carolina Mercer coming up soon. But it's Virginia this weekend and a big one. Okay, Adam, Tar Heels exhibition game coming up against Winston-Salem State. 7.30 tonight. What are some things that are piquing your interest as you watch the Heels for the first time this evening? I'm just interested to see who's out there together. Yeah. We know not everyone is going to be healthy and or available. Uh, so you're not going to get to see the full Tar Heel arsenal most likely, and who knows when or if you will get to. Um, so I think that will play a role in, in the rotations. Of course, you're always curious to see the newcomers. Uh, I think everybody wants to see Cole Anthony, but I think, in all honesty, I think Cole Anthony is kind of a known quantity at this point. I think what you'd really like to see, Christian Keeling and Justin Pierce, uh, because on Wednesday night, you're going to see them against really, really good competition. They, they've played and beaten teams like Winston-Salem State before, but how do they interact and move and coordinate with their new teammates against a team like Winston-Salem State? I think that's important. Um, how does Carolina shoot the ball from the outside? Because we know they lost a great deal from last year in that department. Armando Baycott. Excited to see Armando Baycott, Big Grits, a resident big man expert, has said he likes Armando Baycott. Now, he's not full on on the Armando Baycott fan club president train yet, but I feel like we could get there with Big Grits and Armando Baycott. Yeah. I think Big Grits is just, uh, yeah, he's excited to see a a big fella out there that's that's seeing a lot of time right now. Yeah. If if Armando Baycott throws up like a half hook from the low block (laughs) – you may have to hold big. You may have to just hold them down there at the table. <laughs> so uh, we will. By the way, the game, of course, is on ACC Network Extra. So you have that streaming option. Uh, Matt Krause, who does uh, our women's basketball games for the Tariel Sports Network, will be on the call. Eric and I will be on the Tariel Sports Network uh, for the radio broadcast as well. So looking forward to that this evening. And great to see, as he does every year, Roy Williams inviting an in-state team to come in and be a part of the exhibition. It's a big deal for Winston-Salem State. Do you know, Adam, the last time these two teams played? Is this my five-second challenge? No, but it – Would have been a good one. It would have been a good one. No, I don't. 
Uh, it was an exhibition game before the 2005 uh, national championship season. Well, that turned out fine. Yeah, turned out five, t- uh, fine. Tariels had six players in double figures that day. It was uh, 21 points for Jawad Williams and another player were the two that led the scoring uh, that particular evening. Carolina uh, undefeated in exhibition games under Roy Williams. The closest two years ago, they beat Barton College by 11, although that game got a little closer at the end. Uh, Tariels, do you, do you know the largest margin of victory in an exhibition game under Roy Williams, Adam? 64. That's not a bad guess. It's 78. I think the most important thing to watch tonight is how cohesive the Tariels can be this early in the season. Because it is so many different guys, as we've discussed, so many new players, and even old players who are in new roles. And so it's just going to take some time for all that to work itself out. So looking forward to seeing those guys. And I agree with you, Adam. While you don't know for sure, I think you can confidently say, Cole Anthony, Armando Baycott, they're going to be pretty good. It may not be every single game, and it may not be right away, but the talent level they have at the positions they are, knowing Roy Williams and his track record, those guys are going to be good and impactful. It's a much bigger question to me how the graduate transfers fit in, and that's not to say something about their talent level. It's just how do they fit in? How does Leaky Black take a step forward? How does Brandon Robinson take a step forward? How does Garrison Brooks take? I think that's the bigger question is how those guys who have been in defined roles either here or other places previously, and now their roles are a little bit different, how they handle that. Garrison Brooks has been so good as a five because he's had to be. Now we think he probably is going to get to play some four. Is he still just as comfortable there? Hope so. So we'll find out. I also, the, the other thing that makes me more interested in this exhibition game Less than a week from now, Carolina's going to play a really good team. Yeah. That's really good at what they do. Yes. And so a lot of times you have the exhibition game, you think, oh, I got time to iron that out. It'll be fine. You got no time to iron that well, out. Well, then the Charles are on the road after that at UNCW. And certainly you feel like Carolina is better than UNCW, but it's on the road against a coach that knows you in C.B. McGrath. Well, and I think Trask Coliseum's completely sold out for that game for one of the first times in a long time. Of course it is. So – that's another one of those games that Roy Williams plays and thinks is a great idea, and other coaches around the country look at and go, no thank you. So, yes, the heels jumping in with both feet next week. But for now, it is the exhibition game against Winston-Salem State tonight in the Smith Center. It does not feel like it was that long ago that we were all bummed out there after the Tar Heels lost to uh, to Auburn and Kansas City. It does not feel like it was that long ago. No. And it's here again. I think there's going to be a good crowd. I feel like I hear a lot of people talking about. Well, I think, too, having that great football game on Saturday helps. I mean, you can come and spend a night or two in Chapel Hill and and get a lot of exciting games. So I think it should be a fun weekend in Chapel Hill. It's supposed to be some uh, better weather. It's going to be a little bit cooler, sunny but cool. Feel like finally feel like late October slash early November. So – uh, looking forward to it. Hopefully have a great weekend in Chapel Hill. Adam, anything else before we get to Justin Pierce? No. So I had an opportunity, as we just talked about him a little bit, Justin Pierce, I think one of the, the real interesting aspects of this year's team for Carolina, how he fits in, how he's able to contribute. And I will tell you this, I think you're going to be you're going to be 
even more excited to see him play after hearing from him because, Adam, one thing that was very evident to me in talking to Justin Pierce and I hope comes through in the interview is how excited he is to be a part of Carolina basketball. Yeah, it really seems like he gets it, mm-hmm. and he. I think he appreciates his time at William and Mary. And yes, he, and he talked about that. Some. Yes, in no way was that meant to be a negative about William and Mary. I think it was. It was. And he's careful about that, right? And I think he feels like it was a positive for him and for William and Mary. Well, now he's ready for Carolina to be a positive for him and for Carolina. So, hope you enjoy this. Let's hear from Justin, and then come back. We've got five second challenge coming up. We have Adam's been holding on to a list for weeks. So it's going to be a big blow up here. <laughs> that volcano has been ready to blow. <laughs> so uh, we've got a, a list that's been building up. Plus, we're going to go to a story time that was submitted when we asked for story times around the Duke game. But the author did not want the tickets because he already had tickets, wanted somebody else to get them. But it's a terrific story time. It is basketball related, so we thought it would be a great time to do it uh, with basketball season getting started. All that coming up after you hear from Justin Pierce. All right, it's officially basketball season. That means go time, Adam. We need our first official basketball guest of the year. That individual is Justin Pierce, who my understanding is, Justin, tell me if I got this wrong. You decided to come to North Carolina so that you could coach Jones in a summer <laughs> basketball camp and mold him into a, a contributing player. Not really player. coach. He was coaching my son, but That's he did a terrific job. We're still using the fundamentals that Justin taught us uh, on the driveway right now. We're still using it. Is that the key, Justin? Is You said, you know what, if I get to work Big Grits's uh, Father's Day camp, then I'm coming to Carolina. Was that the key? Yeah, you know, that that, that was one of them. Uh, I, had a, I had a great time working Montrose's camp, and it was great to meet all you guys, and I had a great time coaching your son. Oh, man, I appreciate it. We had fun, too. So tell us what these last few months have been like for you. I have to imagine a big decision and, and a move and just a whirlwind. What, what's it all been like? Yeah, you know, uh, a whirlwind is a good way to put it because, you know, it started, you know, right, at, right after our season ended in March. You know, I decided to transfer, and uh, that – first 24 hours was crazy with pretty much almost every school reaching out and then you know I'm still trying to finish up graduating uh in three years so I was in six classes uh so having to make that decision taking visits well taking six finals was a pretty stressful month and you know when I came here on my visit I just fell in love with the culture of this place uh I could see myself contributing and uh you know the goal is to I've never played in the NCAA tournament and I know like people around here kind of take that for granted but I'm certainly not taking that for granted so I wanted to go to some place where uh, I can contribute on a winning team and get to the tournament and hopefully play deep into into March and April. How are you able to approach the recruiting process differently after three years of college than you did maybe before you went to college were there similarities and differences there? Yeah for sure I think uh this time around, I was definitely uh, more mature. I knew the questions to ask. Um, I knew kind of how recruiting can sometimes be a game. And this time around, it was definitely different. It was a one-year deal. Like, um, Christian and myself, being grad transfers, like, we couldn't get this one wrong. You know what I mean? Like, the, there's no do-over in a one-year grad transfer um, decision. Uh, so I was really thorough. I probably asked a lot more questions uh, than, than uh, three years prior. Um, and, you know, this decision was more focused on basketball. It was, you know, um, a lot more, 
you need to ask more direct questions about like role and uh fit and stuff like that and you know with um all the all the production you guys lost at the wing in the four position you know it was a it was a pretty good fit so what were those conversations with Coach Williams like? What what was that dialogue like when you were asking those important questions for you? He was trying to make sure that you had as, as much information as you needed. Yeah, you know, it was uh, he was always super honest. Um, he doesn't promise anything. He just laid out the, the roster, um, what they had coming back and what they lost. And he circled the three and the four position for me. And he's like, we've – you know, you lose Luke May, you lose Cam Johnson, you lose Nasir, who was the backup to those two guys, and uh, that's a lot of production there. And uh, he's like, you know, we got some guys coming back at those spots, but um, we definitely need some experience and some uh, scoring at, at those two spots and, and rebounding specifically. So uh, he's like, I could see you being a really good fit, and it, it worked out, I think. Can you tell when – like, can you tell right at the moment when a, a program is feeding you a line, or do you? Is it later when you go and look it up and you think, well, this doesn't match up exactly with what they said? Yeah. Um, so I think I do a pretty good job of probably doing like research beforehand. So like, um, for example, like North Carolina, Michigan, and Notre Dame; those were my three final schools, and um, they probably were in my final three um, because of the the needs that they had at my position and um you know there were so definitely some other schools that you know they were like yeah like we'd love to have you like you're a final piece and like I looked at the roster and they got starters coming back in my position so it's like probably not as good of a fit they maybe are looking as for me as like a like a luxury piece but just like a last piece of the puzzle whereas here and those other two schools they really like needed me they really wanted me I felt that love more here and you know I'm enjoying myself so much and I love all the guys and it's been it's been a great fit tell us about your 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 game how, how, what kind of player you think you are and maybe how you think you're different now than you were three years ago when when you came to William and Mary yeah uh so I got to William and Mary as a you know a 17 year old uh so I was super young um I actually just turned 21 so I still think my best basketball is ahead of me but uh anyway yeah like when I got to William and Mary I was very skinny I was mostly an outside player mostly a shooter um and you know my game definitely evolved as I matured physically um I think I was able to these last two years play multiple positions mm -hmm. which is something that I, I wasn't able to do at first in college so that's definitely something I pride myself on the most is my versatility um you know I think the three things offensively or the three things that I would say are my best strengths are shooting, passing, and rebounding. And I think, like, I, I work a lot of my craft, a lot of my skill, and just those three things, like rebounding, that's all effort and heart, and I love to win. And so, like, I pride myself on playing very hard and playing or wearing my emotions on my sleeve. And then passing uh, was something I definitely developed as I got uh, more and more comfortable with the ball in my hands, playing off ball screens. And that was more towards, like, the end of my sophomore year and all of my junior year. And I think I – Average like four assists last year, which was something that was a goal of mine because uh, we lost a lot of production at the at the guard spot going into my last year. And then shooting, you know, shooting's always been kind of my thing. So like, it's funny because like when I committed here, I got a lot of questions like, "Is Justin gonna be able to shoot the ball?" Because you know, like my every, it's no secret like my numbers were a little down last year. Because, um, but mo a lot of people don't know that I broke my my shooting wrist. But it was funny because like everyone around me knows that I'm like a good shooter 
Um, so like that's always been kind of my thing. So I just kind of found it kind of ironic that like people were asking me, is Justin going to be able to be a high level shooter? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, you ask any of my teammates, I think I've been shooting the ball pretty well. And, and one thing I pride myself on is just getting extra shots up, like living in the gym. So that's, that's the, how I got to where I am today. Like through hard work, like it's no secret. I like, like I don't, I don't jump out as a, as a, North Carolina basketball player. Uh, it's been through a lot of. I took the road less travel. Let's talk about like, talk it like that. So, yeah. Uh, you mentioned getting shots up, and I've seen you working a lot before practice with Coach Davis. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's a great guy to learn from in terms of shooting the ball, since he has been very successful over his career. What kind of things have you been working on with him, and what what have you picked up? Yeah, absolutely. Coach Davis has been great. Um, my biggest thing is just you know shot consistency right now. It's just like. Um, I have a great release and the, the, like in terms of speed and quickness, it's just about always holding that follow through and uh, consistently getting um, the same arc on my, every one of my shots. And, you know, coach Davis said that's, that was similar things he worked on with like cam and stuff. And so I'm just, I mean, I'm just trying to literally soak up from all the coaches, but I'm trying to coach Davis, especially, I'm just trying to soak up as much information as possible because those guys have, have proven it throughout the years and coach davis like i mean he played in the league for a long time and was like third all time in three point percentage that's a pretty good guy to learn from <laughs> i would think so uh. the three point line's moving back a little bit this year i'm guessing it doesn't matter to someone like you who can shoot but to to what guys will that distance matter yeah i would think that uh it would probably affect the guys who or maybe trying to add a three-point shot into their game, like guys who are not, who weren't already super comfortable shooting from the three-point line. That just is like another hurdle to their um, ability to like add the three-point shot to the game. For for guys like guys who shoot the three, like as a as a big part of their game, it's really not that big of a difference because throughout college basketball games, you're very rarely getting toe the line three-pointers anyway. So. Yeah, I would say they're throughout college basketball there'll probably be like a slight dip in three point percentages, but um in terms of actually playing the game, you don't really notice it, if that makes sense. Like when you're shooting a three, you don't really notice that at a distance. Is there you mentioned in an earlier answer, say I may not stand out as a Carolina basketball player. Have you noticed a difference yet from being a, a college basketball player at William and Mary to being a college basketball player at North Carolina, even if it's just walking around? Yeah, it's definitely a culture shock at first. Um, you know, everyone knows who you are. And I was surprised by that because, like, I'm a new guy and I'm a transfer. So, like, I never used to have that, like, people recognize me when I'm just, like, you know, going to the grocery store or walking around town <laughs> or, like, like. so that's just, like, a, a culture shock you got to uh, deal with. But, I I mean, it's amazing, like, the the fan support we get here. Like, late, late night with Roy, like, that was an unbelievable experience um, and I'm just super excited for the actual games to start because that's going to be uh, a whole new experience. But um, just the excitement in Chapel Hill surrounding basketball is night and day compared to at William & Mary. And don't get me wrong, we had great fan support at William & Mary, like probably tops in our conference, and they were very loud. But it's just like the numbers, like this, mm-hmm. the magnitude, the size, it's just it's a whole – it's not even in the same category. Give us a little insight to what you have experienced so far at practice. Of course, exhibition coming up uh, very soon in the the season opener against Notre Dame. Tell us a little bit about what you have seen from this team so far as you've gone through preseason practice. 
Yeah, I think we, first of all, we've uh, improved dramatically since we first started, um, since those first four practices in the summer, and then since even the beginning, uh, right before late night with Roy was yeah. was our first practice, and, and then that scrimmage. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing with our team is we've got a lot of new faces playing key roles, so it's just getting that cohesion um, with the returning players, and then also just, like, figuring out how to play best with each other, what each other's tendencies are. And so uh, in terms of practices, we've been focusing a lot on the fundamentals and, you know, just getting uh, good shots and, and uh, playing at the right pace. That's the big thing here is, like, we love to play fast. So getting up and down, being in the right spots defensively. Um, I think this group's got a lot of talent. Um, you know, Garrison's uh, been been a very good, uh, productive player here. He's I think he's going to take another step up this year. and. Uh, guys like B. Rob, who are ready to take another step up, and you know, I mean, Cole's Cole's Cole. He's gonna he's gonna uh, be the engine that drives his team. So um, we're all just we're ready to, you know, see somebody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Practices, you know, can get everyone's chomping at the bit to actually have a a real game. Now that you've practiced under Roy Williams for a, a little bit over a month. What's something you know now about what you have to do to play for Roy Williams that maybe in May you, you didn't quite realize? I would say uh, Coach Williams is has been nothing short of amazing so far in terms of me, and I would say the biggest thing I appreciate about him is he doesn't let anything slide. So, like, for me, like, I, I'm a, I always thought, you know, I'm a good rebounder. I play really hard. But, like, for example – uh, there's a couple examples that stick out like I would get offensive rebound a possession or two ago and then like maybe a possession later I, I wouldn't crash as hard to the glass as as he would like and he would let me know that uh, he would he would let me have it so it's like I, I appreciate the fact that he he just demands excellence on every play and you don't want to let a coach down like that you um, I mean he's been so successful and one of the all-time greats and just it's a privilege to play for him so it's like whatever he says like you you trust you believe <laughs> so you don't want to let a coach down like that it's been unbelievable to play for him I think I've learned a lot on the defensive end which is something I needed to probably work on a lot um and that's I'm just I'm just loving playing for him so far we talk or, or hear a lot of talk about the Carolina basketball family I, I would be interested just from your perspective in that it I would think it may be a little bit weird just to show up and you know you're only here one year just be interested in how you feel like that family has welcomed you so far yeah so they like talked about uh to me like on my visit and stuff and um you know I was like yeah like it's probably gonna be cool but I didn't really know like to what magnitude sure. it's, it, it was gonna be like but it started when I committed like I had like um guys who I wasn't even gonna play with reach out to me and and say like congratulations welcome to the family and then like when I got down here in the summer, you have tons of pros showing up to play pickup with us, and it's just like every day it's somebody new, and it's like eventually it's just like, wow, this is this is the real deal. Like I'm, I, I guarantee you there's no other school where the, that amount of people come back to this place. Um, it shows it's really special, uh, and I'm just, I mean, Christian and I were talking about it. Like we're just we're lucky to have like to be a part of this place, even though it is one year. Like we feel like we are a part of this family forever and like we know we always have a place here to come back to and work out train or just hang with the guys um so it's pretty cool was there anybody you played with or against this summer that you caught yourself going oh i'm out here with this guy well i mean f f uh 
Tyler Hansbro played with us probably the most out of uh, all the former pros, and for me that was like that was really cool because obviously he's the best he's the best player ever here, um, and he's like the ACC's all-time leading scorer. And I grew up watching all those all those games with the '09 team uh, to have guys like him, like Danny Green, come back like after just winning another championship. And um, you saw what he did the other night. I mean. He, I mean, stuff like that is just great. Like Raymond Felton played with us one time, I think, uh, over over one of the camp days. Like, um, have all having guys like that come back that you grew up watching is just like, it's hard to put it into words how like cool it is to go against them. And like, I was nervous and, but just like, really enjoying it too at the same time. Tyler Hansbrough is kind of an acquired taste <laughs> in a pickup game. Yeah. For for someone who had not, say, played against him for four years, and maybe that was the first time you had ever seen him in that environment, what were your takeaways? Uh, just competitiveness. Like, even in a pickup game, he, he hates to lose, and he plays harder than any anybody I've ever been around, uh, whether it's going after the glass or just, like, in in the paint getting to where he wants getting to his spot uh to get, to take a shot it's 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 just his willingness to to go after it like it's pretty it's pretty impressive it's intense yeah it's <laughs> intense <laughs> um tell us a little bit about you away from basketball what do you like to do what are you studying what what kind of stuff interests you uh, away from the game yeah so i'm enrolled in uh the king flagger business school right now the f- the full-time mba program which is been awesome I, I love it uh over there there's i've met a lot of cool people and i'm enjoying my time uh up there and it's been a lot of work uh i feel like i'm kind of i don't have a ton of free time right now which has been like a, a not it's not necessarily been an adjustment because again undergrad i finished in three years so yeah. like that was a lot of work too um but it's just kind of been a balance between you know basketball and then still being able to like get extra shots treatment all that stuff versus um the nba program which is great and i've, I've been think i've been doing a good job so far um and yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to continue that there and you know I, after basketball i want to uh kind of go into the sports business world so i think that a degree from here as well um as the connections that i'm gonna um have from both the business school and the basketball side of things when I'm done is going to kind of set me up down that path. We had the chance to talk a little bit before and we talked some about your interest in the sports business world and NBA front offices. How did that play a role as Coach Williams was explaining to you why Carolina might be a good fit for you? Yeah, it was kind of just like a, a cherry on top. Um, I made my decision to commit here like pretty much solely for for basketball reasons and then like to be able to get an, a business degree here and then also to get um, the vast network of, of basketball connections were kind of just like added bonuses. And, you know, Coach Williams and guys like and, and uh, the support staff and the coaches were like, yeah, like we people we can put you in touch with uh, people uh, as soon as you're done. Or, um, I mean, the whole Hornets organization is Carolina guys. Like we'll have no issue in get, uh, having you talk to people and – uh, once you're done and once you because I want to play first so so once you're done playing sure. um, you'll you'll be able to get your foot in the door and 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 network and uh, make those connections which is which was really really cool now you Shea Rush because Shea's like real interested in doing agent stuff right are you guys uh, chatting with each other about all of it yeah Shay and I are, uh, have gotten really close he's he's uh, actually going to work in Chicago which is yep. where I'm where I'm from originally and 
uh yeah shay's been great and he i think he wants to work uh in terms of money managing yep. uh with with athletes and so that's been really cool to kind of hear his perspective and i'm really excited for him that he he's able to um kind of already know what he's doing next year like he's <laughs> not a very impressive yeah. guy right you're like yeah, get it together shay rush goodness <laughs> yeah no he's he's super impressive i've really enjoyed getting to know him he's a great guy you talked a little bit before about some of the things you picked up on video at William & Mary that helped you, like you, you worked on coming off ball screens and, and using those more effectively. Is there anything you've looked at here that, that you feel like has enabled you to take a step forward in that way? I think the biggest thing with film uh, here for me has been um, the fact that I'm learning the three and the four position, which for people who don't know our offense, the four and the five are the exact same and the three and the two are the exact same. So I'm basically learning two completely different spots. So the film aspect for me has been very critical in terms of I'm, I learn very well visually. And to see in action our plays and sets and secondary break options from those different spots has been helped me dramatically in terms of grasping uh, – those and I'm still not 100% comfortable at both the spots but I know I'm going to be playing a lot at both the spots and the coaches have been working with me and, and setting me up with a lot of these the tape and stuff so um, again I'm getting more and more comfortable every day and uh, I think by the first game like I'll, I'll feel great. Who have you been watching as as sort of your example at the three and at the four? Yeah so they gave me a lot of uh, Cam and then Theo tape because those were the last two guys I think to cross over between the the wing and the four spot um so they gave me a lot of those two guys tape because um, i think theo did it two years ago uh he's i think he started at the four mm -hmm. right um and then cam did it a lot last year he started at the three but then when you guys would go smaller he would rotate down to the four so um yeah just been watching those those guys and you know i know I'll, um at the four it's just going to be completely different it's going to be offensively it's going to be difficult for other teams to kind of guard me around the perimeter or for me to for them to chase me down the court um, um and then defensively i just got to get more and more comfortable guarding ball screens and <clears throat> playing in the low post but i think i've i've improved dramatically in in the last month you said earlier that you wear your heart on your sleeve while you're playing, but you're like the calmest, like yeah. most low-key dude as we're talking right now. How what what flips that switch for you? Is it just the ball going up? Honestly, it's just it's it's a couple hours before game day. Like I, I'm locked in. Like um, I like to keep to myself, listen to music, just kind of get in that zone. I like to get up extra shots before the game and just kind of visualize myself on the court later that night. I have a very strict, you know, like routine that I like to go about. I like to get to the arena early. Um, and yeah, You're in like, good shape there, Justin. Yeah. We'll be there plenty early for <laughs> yeah. every game. We're in good shape there. Yeah, but once <laughs> once the once the ball uh ball's tipped, I mean, it's 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 different. It's different. Like I'm going to do whatever it takes to to win ball games, and I like to get excited about winning. Mm -hmm. Uh so I'm not afraid to, you know, get pumped up after after a play and uh you know i like to sometimes i'll get really I'll, I'll get mad at myself um but yeah like i love i think playing with emotion uh can take people's games to like another level because it shows it means that much more to them and uh it kind of drives that competitiveness you're obviously a very intelligent guy this question may not 
I like how I preface that. This question may not make sense, even though you're a very intelligent guy. How, how do you balance the thinking part of the game, somebody who very clearly understands the game and can think about it at a high level with the emotion, getting yourself lost in it a little bit as well? How do you balance yeah. those two things? No, that makes sense. Uh, in terms of like being a shooter, thinking can actually be one of the worst things you can do. Um, Adam, you are a great shooter. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's one of the uh, things that I've over the years um, had to get more and more comfortable with is just like kind of letting myself play, letting myself just let the emotions kind of take over and and just let enjoy the game of basketball. At the end of the day, we're out there to have fun. We play because we love the game and not being overcritical of myself, not being like, oh, I need to make this next shot because mm-hmm. that just starts a downward spiral and, and you end up hurting yourself and not not playing the way you know you can play. So um, I think I've gotten a lot better as I've matured, um, and that's one of the things I think is the biggest difference between me now and me as a freshman is I can I know how to deal with adversity better. Um, but, yeah, definitely, like, there's a balance to be had between – the emotions and thinking when it comes to playing at a high level. What are you looking forward to most about this season? Like when you picture yourself playing basketball for North Carolina, what do you picture? I mean, there's a lot. There's a long list. Uh, Obviously, the goal for, like I said earlier, is to make the NCAA tournament. And I know I said this earlier as well, like a lot lot of people take that for granted. But for me, every game is going to be – chipping away at that goal because for me I've never like I've never been to the NCAA tournament and like I've watched it every year since I can remember I watched selection Sunday every year since I can remember and I've just wanted to be a part of it so if we are fortunate enough to make it that will be the that and every game on after that will be kind of the the pinnacle of my season Um, obviously it will be really fun to play in a Duke Carolina game Um, and then just I think the opener will probably be really special because it's an ACC game. It's my first game in the Smith Center. Um, that those those are the ones that kind of really stick out to me. How is that different as a player? None of us are used to that either. The first game is a conference game. How does that change the way you get ready for what sometimes is? All right, we'll kind of we'll ease into it. There's no easing into it this year. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird feeling. Uh, I've never opened with a conference game ever in my life. And let alone for it to be my first game in the ACC, it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> but I think we're we're all ready. We're all going to be super fired up and excited. Um, but yeah, we know there's no there's no time for growing pains. There's no time. Like we better be ready on November sixth. So uh, there's definitely a heightened sense of urgency. Um, and I think that will, you know, I think it will help us in the long run. But it's just it, the schedule is kind of weird this year like we got a conference game then non-conference games and then like we play Virginia and again in the non-conference <laughs> sket portion and then pretty soon once January hits we're full ACC mode so that'll definitely be an adjustment for I think everybody in the league tell us about your background a little bit Justin even pre-William and Mary just you growing up where, where'd you grow up what, what kind of stuff did you like to do when you were young yeah so I'm the oldest of three boys um, I'm from a suburb of Chicago about 30 minutes west called Glen Ellen um, both my parents uh, played college athletics. Uh, my dad was a football player at Northwestern, and my mom was played volleyball there. Um, so they moved. They moved out to Glen Ellen and had three boys. and And my middle brother, his name is Alec. He's 
actually having a heck of a season for Cincinnati right now. He's a starting wide receiver for Cincinnati as a sophomore. I think they're ranked like 18th in the country right now, and he's their leading receiver. And my youngest brother is a sophomore. He plays basketball and golf, and I think he's going to be a really good player. But, you know, growing up, sports was our life. Um, I played volleyball, football, baseball, um, tons of tons of sports growing up. So that was what me and my brothers used to do for fun. We'd play in the backyard. We'd uh, play on the, on the driveway. Um, just anything that revolved around the sports and physical activity, we, we probably were doing in our free time. So I think it's very different today's generation even <laughs> 10 like only 10 years ago like stu- uh i feel like a, a child's life was so much different i bet i'm gonna go on a limb and say there was some competitiveness yeah. there between the three of you guys oh yeah <laughs> we uh my my middle brother and i definitely used to give my youngest brother a hard time but yeah. i think he's gonna be <laughs> he's gonna be <laughs> a lot better because of it uh, he might yeah he might get the last laugh but he's he's gonna be a stud but um yeah I mean we, that's probably where I get a lot of my competitiveness from whether it was like playing wiffle ball in the backyard or or basketball in the driveway or even like like board games like we like there's been it, a few monopoly yeah, like boards we, flipped in the we, pierce household I, I hate losing <laughs> and like my brothers will tell you that like i was such a poor poor loser <laughs> and like we would definitely get into it a lot uh but but it was good like we 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 love i'm again like i love my family and it's been like they've been so supportive of me and, and we have such a good relationship so I like how Justin was clearly trying to decide how nice he was going to be about his youngest (laughs) brother. You can see the wheels turning He he almost (laughs) said he might be the best of us, but then he was like, I can't go that far. He's got a chance. He's still got a lot lot to prove, though. (laughs) What's the the go-to Pierce family Justin is a sore loser story? It probably has to. We played wiffle ball a lot. Uh, in our backyard we had like a fence around uh, all our neighbors had like a fence and so like we play wiffle ball and uh, me and my middle brother would always split up and then we'd get like a lot of the neighbor kids and you know I, I vividly remember one time like I thought my middle brother was just like you know cheating and like <laughs> all this stuff so like I just I like I think I was pitching and I just like whipped the wiffle ball at, at, at him and like he, he like threw the bat at me and like <laughs> charged the mound <laughs> something like that we were like sixth grade and fifth grade or sixth grade and fourth grade it was like it would have been funny to look at that now <laughs> all the neighbor kids are quietly trying <laughs> yeah, to go yeah. back around the fence we're yeah, right. just leaving guys <laughs> um you mentioned this earlier there are so many new faces for carolina this season how have you guys tried to kind of crash course getting to know one another both on the court and away from the court because you are going to be together so much here over the next six, seven months? Yeah, I think the summer was really important for us. Uh, we did a lot of stuff as a team. And um, to have Christian and then four freshmen was kind of comforting for me because it would have been kind of tough to be like one of the only new guys. So I think – the new guys did a lot of stuff together uh, this summer, and uh, I think we've all gotten to know each other really well, gotten more and more comfortable. For me, I'm a very, like, introverted person, and so, like, once I got more and more comfortable, I think the guys have gotten to know me a lot more. Um, but, yeah, it's been great so far. Like, like working the camps and stuff this summer, like, doing stuff like that with each other, that's just, like, away from actually practicing. Mm-hmm. That's what I think the summer is so good for. Like, we only had four practices. So, outside of that, we were just pretty much doing stuff together. So, 
you mentioned earlier Cole is Cole. You've seen plenty of good basketball players. What is it about him that seems to be a little different from a player's perspective? I think the most impressive thing about Cole is just his maturity as a freshman. <clears throat> the way he kind of carries himself on the court. He does not carry himself like a freshman. Um, he's a confident guy, and he's really talented. And I think the fact that he's able to be so mature and um, the way he plays, and he usually makes the right play, which a lot of times you can't say that about freshmen. So I think that's been the most impressive thing about him. Obviously the talent is anybody can see that, but uh, every day in practice behind the scenes, he's one of the hardest workers on the team. Just stuff like that is, is something you don't see from freshmen every every year. So, All right, in a couple months at the end of the year when we talk to you or when we see you and we go, Justin, was, was this everything you hoped it would be? If your answer is yes, what kind of things happen for you to go, yes, this is everything I, I hoped it would be this year? Yeah, that's – I have no doubt that it will be. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's – for everything for – for me, it would be we, we're, we're winning a lot of games. Um, we're hopefully competing for an ACC title. Um, we're hopefully fortunate enough to play in the NCAA tournament and, and you know, get to the Final Four and play on Atlanta on Monday night. That would be, that would be the dream. Um, but, yeah, just overall just enjoying every day with the guys and, and with coach the coaching staff, um, I think that's going to be the biggest thing It's just – this year, I, kn I know it, uh, anyone who's ever played college basketball knows that the preseason's kind of slow, um, but once the games start, the year flies by. So for me, just having one year, just thoroughly enjoying the process, everything's going to be hopefully a blast for me this year. Um, hopefully I'm contributing a lot and, and able to help us do whatever it takes to win. So, Okay, Adam, I will give you a choice. Would you like the five-second challenge first, or would you like the UNC Healthcare Champion Watch first? Let's do the five-second challenge because I get so nervous about it, and I just want to get it out of yeah, the way. I understand. It's like doing a presentation in school. So did you know that texting while driving takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds? What? At highway speeds, that's like driving the length of an entire football field with your eyes closed. The Trusted Choice Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina want you to stay safe behind the wheel, and that means don't text and drive. Go to trustedchoice.com slash goheels. That's trustedchoice.com slash goheels. Find an independent insurance agent near you to learn more. Adam. <laughs> Yes. Sam Howe. Okay. Tario quarterback. Mm -hmm. Has 22 touchdowns on the season. Mm -hmm. There have been one, two, three, four, five, six seasons in which a Tario quarterback before Sam Howe this year has thrown 20 or more touchdown passes. Of those six seasons, there are only four different quarterbacks who have done it. Adam, you have five seconds to name those four Tar Heel quarterbacks that have thrown for 20 or more touchdowns in a season. That list now includes Sam Howell, but Sam's not on this list. Your five seconds, Adam. Start right. Hold on. <laughs> I forgot to get my watch out. 
I'm giving you this is like a cheat, cheating extra time for you. Now your five seconds start, Adam, right now. Darian Durant, Mitch Trubisky, Marquise Williams, Chris Keldor. You only used four of your five seconds, Adam. Four of your five seconds. <laughs> Can Ye I carry that one second over to next time? We'll see. Can I put it in the, in the yeah, timeout bank? You chose Marquise Williams, mm -hmm. Darian Durant, Chris Keldorf, and Mitch Trubisky. Hmm. Adam, three of your four answers are correct. 75, strong C. Sixth all-time at Carolina. Coming into this year, again, Sam Howell already has 22. Marquise Williams in 2014 had 21 touchdowns. Hmm. Fifth all-time at Carolina with 23 touchdowns back in the glorious year of 1996, hmm. Chris Keldorf. Remember when Chris Keldorf threw for 23 touchdowns and you felt like this was the most touchdowns yeah. you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> he, he passes almost every down after the Tar Heels classily huddle for 35 <laughs> seconds. Fourth place all-time with 24 touchdowns in 2015. Marquise Williams makes his second appearance. Mm. Adam, encompassing both the third and second place on the list with 26 and 28 touchdowns respectively in the years 2011 and 12, the man you left off the list, Bryn Renner. <laughs> Bryn Renner. Bryn Renner. Number one, Mitch Trubisky with 30 touchdowns in 2016. Sam Howell has 22 with four regular season games remaining. So no 20 touchdowns for Darian Durant. Darian Durant had 18 touchdowns <sighs> in 2003. He had 17 touchdowns in both 2001 and 2004. I, I think that I tend to credit Darian Durant with more stats than he actually received. Well, clearly I do. By the way, also Matt Kupek had 18 touchdowns in 1979. That must Oof. have seemed like the old Houston Oilers were out there <laughs> running the run and shoot. Well, you had Darian Durant number one on your Mac-to-Mac -Mac quarterback list. Yeah, I did. Darian Durant's a great quarterback. Passing records are so yeah. out of whack now. Yes. Because it's just a different time in football. Did we have Bryn Renner on our Mac-to-Mac -Mac team? No, he was in the others considered list. Whew. Yeah. All right, Adam, let's – you did okay. Okay. Let's get to our champion watch brought to you by UNC Healthcare. Adam zeroes in on a team outside of football and basketball that he's going to have his keen journalistic eye on during the weekend. UNC Healthcare dedicated to caring for champions of all kinds, you and your family included. See their lineup at unchealthcare.org slash sports. Adam, what you got? This weekend we're looking at a sport we haven't looked at this fall so far. No. Oh. Women's rowing. Oh. A lot of pod listeners on the crew team. That's right. We know that. They, well, and so it's partially for that, but it's also partially to the event they're in. Mm. It's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mm. The head of the hooch. <laughs> yes. I am definitely going to have my eye on the head of the hooch because they're going to go down yonder to the Chattahoochee. Yep. And you know, it's going to get hotter than a hoochie coochie. Head of the Hooch, women's rowing on Saturday. All day regatta. Yeah. How many different boats do they have? We need somebody to tell us. One of them's named the Wanda Williams. I know that. How many different boats do they have? What? How many times would our champions watch have to be women's rowing for one of the boats to be named the Jones and Adam? Or the pod. The good ship pod. Yeah. I'm... 
you can be the champion watch every week. There's no. It can You're be, already champions of our heart. It can be the champions watch rowing spotlight. Yeah. If we can have Sarah Haney, the boat. Make this happen. What if it was the Big Grits boat? I don't think Big Grits deserves to have his name on the boat. We did that. You've got everything else, Big Grits. <laughs> Give us the skull or whatever yeah. it's called. Look into that, Adam. We got a lot of pod listeners on the rowing team. Just a quick update on Pod World Headquarters. <laughs> Adam, we're getting close. Hmm. Not there yet, but we're getting close. I feel like. Don't you say this out loud. You're going to jinx it. One day, yeah. we'll have a pod in there. Mm-hmm. And we'll be surrounded by lovely shelving mm-hmm. and items. And it's going to be glorious. Mm-hmm. Just like that 100th pod was. Glorious. Adam, the people have been asking when you're going to give them another list. And we're going to answer that by saying today. What's on the top of Adam's list? Brought to you by Top of the Hill, where Tar Heels come to celebrate. A lot of things happening in Listland. Number one. Got the chance to speak with Leaky Black the other day. He was very proud of the fact that he had hooked us up with DaBaby before DaBaby was big. And he made sure to point out, he said, I told y'all about DaBaby before DaBaby blew up. I said, Leaky, I know it, brother. Yeah. I said, Leaky, who's the next da- oh. who's the next DaBaby? He said, there's not one. There's not a new DaBaby on the horizon, but he promised that he would think about it and uh, let us know when he appears on the pod this season at some point. So we have that to look forward to. Uh, Did you see the story about Sebastian the Ibis? Yes, but I didn't didn't get the details. This is a phenomenal story on ESPN by Andrea Adelson. And – I don't know what else to do other than to tell you that you need to read it because it's so completely absurd. It has to do with the Miami-Florida State game in 1989. Number two Hurricanes going to Tallahassee to face the number eight Seminoles. And Sebastian the Ibis at this time was played by John Ralph. Someone on Twitter tried to say that I had had a run-in with Sebastian the Ibis. That was you. Yeah, that's me who's got the issue with Sebastian. Adam, and Blue his, Jay, Jones, yeah, Ibis. His big old head right in the way. Do we go to Miami this year in basketball? I think so. <laughs> so, John Ralph can't remember whether he or someone else suggested it, but the idea of putting out the Flaming Spear FSU's mascot plants at midfield took hold. A Coral Gables police officer, now the chief of police there, hmm offered to get John a fireman's jacket and hat, and Ralph had a fire extinguisher in his house. Mm. You can see how all these pieces are coming together. Uh, So (laughs) when John walked onto the field pregame to fill the extinguisher with water, no one said anything to him, further emboldening him when he got ready to run on the field for kickoff. Uh, He did indeed run on the field wearing his fireman's jacket and hat and holding the extinguisher. After just two steps onto the field, he found himself in serious trouble. A police officer whipped him around and screamed, quote, 
Give me the fire extinguisher. With the Miami band playing, the fans on their feet screaming, and the team rushing past him, he clutched the extinguisher tighter and screamed back, quote, no. (laughs) Says Ralph, now, of course nobody could hear me because the band was playing and I'm in a bird costume. Yeah. Uh, As he tried to jerk away, he accidentally squeezed the handle on the extinguisher and sprayed another officer in the chest with water. Probably didn't go over real well. He got a few steps closer to the corner of the end zone before three more officers grabbed him. Remember, they're grabbing Sebastian the Ibis and slammed him up against the fence. The officer with the wet uniform threw an elbow to the back of his head, forcing the fireman's hat to fall to the ground. At least he had the big mascot head on. (laughs) Well, hold on. One of the officers grabbed the Ibis's beak and tried to yank the head off. Hey, come on now. Let's at least, if you're going to arrest him, at least leave him his dignity. (laughs) Likely not knowing, here's a little tidbit for you. There was a chin strap keeping the head attached to Ralph. That's how the big head stays on there. It's got chin strap. It's like a peek behind the curtain. The tugging nearly choked him. The officer started screaming at him again, quote, When one of my officers tells you to do something, you do it. Mm. Another officer pulled out handcuffs. Mm. Uh, The Miami Herald got a picture of this, which is incredible. It has the three police officers slamming Sebastian the Ibis up against the fence. So that that truly was a great story. And again, these types of things happened in 1989. I feel like they couldn't happen today. Someone from risk management would have told Sebastian the Ibis, you can't take your fire extinguisher to go put out the flaming spear of Osceola. No. That, wouldn't, that would never make it past, like, the whiteboard phase. No. But in 1989... It was the Wild West. He happens to know a policeman who's like, I'll get you a fireman's yeah. outfit. Yeah, no big deal. I, Sounds bring, like I, a great idea. Yeah. I'll, one day I'll be the chief of police and you can do whatever you want. So uh, just keep that in mind. Scott Maitland... Tweeted to us some big news. Friend of the pod. Rebecca Black has a new single. It is called Foolish. Going a little edgy, Rebecca Black. Yeah. It's she, all right. Hey, something you gotta gotta grow up sometime. Yeah. I mean, she's always gonna be important to us no matter where her career takes her. I think that's fair to say. Uh, I wanted to give a what up. To one of our story time participants in the most recent uh, round of stories, Graham Ash, met him at the fair. Sitting there eating my garlic cheese curds. Along comes Graham Ash. So what up, Graham? Hope you enjoyed the fair. Hope you got you a pretzel and a Miss Debbie's apple, because otherwise you weren't doing it right. Uh, We have not mentioned, I don't think, that Shalane Flanagan retired from running. Shalane Flanagan was awesome. From running. Yes. Well, like competitive running. Yes. That was her sport. Yes, it was. Uh, She won the 2017 New York City Marathon, Olympic silver medalist, 15-year pro, former Tar Heel Monthly, Tar Heel of the Year, probably more prominent on her resume than those other two things. Uh, We would like to have her on the pod. She's probably got up on her classy shelves in her uh, pod world headquarters at home. She has New York City Marathon, 
title, monthly title of the year. Yeah, I would think so. 1A, 1B. I want to say thank you to Tyler Newman. He spit in the Mississippi River while listening to the pod. He says, pretty much guaranteed a national championship. You can thank me later. Yeah, imagine those two forces coming together. Yeah, I think that that, I'm no longer concerned about the season. Uh, Harry Puglise sent an email to the pod about parades. We were concerned about the demise of the parade industry. Harry says not to worry. The art of the parade is not dead yet. The mullet festival was earlier in October in Swansboro, and they had the biggest parade they've ever had. Now, this is the mullet fish, yeah. not the haircut. Yeah, of course. Uh, maybe a movement, Harry says, has been started on the coast, and it's taking time to spread west. That could be. That makes sense. Uh, Harry's wife and Harry had a blast in the parade throwing out candy and campaign swag. Tip for new parade participants, do not underestimate the amount of candy you will need to have on hand to throw out. You got four giant bags in your cart, suck it up and make it eight to ten. I wonder where that, you and I both know Swansboro well. Yeah. Where, what streets did that go down, I wonder? I do not know, but it sounds like we've got some pictures here. It looks like it was incredible. Yeah. And I'm sure it was. Uh, Ben Meredith gave me... How can you justify that? Which I would like to address right now. Ben Meredith takes issue with the fact that a certain young man, whose name I'm sure I'm not allowed to say, committed to play baseball at another ACC institution. And I then liked his tweet. This young prospect in question, I've coached that kid for several years. So I thought it was awesome that he's getting to go. In all honesty, that's where he's always wanted to go. I thought that was really cool. So that is how I justify that. Good luck to him. But I hope the Tar Heels do better. Adam, I feel like that. I feel like you deserve a so classy. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but I feel like too. Uh, I, got- I bet we had some good hashtag Tar Heel bro hugs after that Duke game, by the way. I bet so, too. I'm disappointed that people didn't send them to us. Don't, don't you forget about hashtag Tar Heel Bro Hug. Yeah, why? yeah I agree with that. Uh, as you know, last night was Halloween. I think you are aware All of this. All Hallows' Eve. Uh, we know that I tend to be somewhat grouchy about the trick-or-treating habits of old kids. Yeah. I think you reach a certain point where you can't go anymore. I don't think I'd go as far as Chesapeake, Virginia. Missy Hampy sent us this important news update. Virginia Town updates ordinance. No jail time for teenagers too old to trick-or-treat. Fear not, teenagers of Chesapeake. The days of possibly facing jail for trick-or-treating are at an end. Chesapeake City Council unanimously voted to update the ordinance, reducing the penalty for being too old to trick-or-treat down to a Class 4 misdemeanor, while also raising the trick-or-treat age limit from 12 to 14. So now you can trick-or-treat up to 14 in Chesapeake. I feel like that's probably right. You may trick-or-treat regardless of age if accompanied by an adult. Is it possible Chesapeake's spending too much time thinking about yeah, this? Yeah, I was thinking 12 seems, I think that's, yeah, that seems too young to. To cut it off. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Under the old ordinance, someone who was too old to trick-or-treat faced the possibility of a fine or up to six months in jail. It seems a little Seems a little aggressive. I'm not a legislator, 
But I think that maybe there are other things yeah. we could spend our yeah. time on. Let's worry about some other stuff. Uh, <laughs> says Mayor Rick West, the idea that we would put teenagers that age in jail was a horrible thought, obviously, and it angered a lot of people. No one foresaw this prior to enacting this rule. What are you in for? Ah, that's a breaking and entering, uh, violent assault. Yeah, I grabbed some Snickers when I was 15. You stole? No, 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 I was trick-or-treating. 15. Uh, one more uh, DM in our pod uh, DM. I thought this was a good point that we should have mentioned, but we didn't. Uh, Heather Justice reminds us. Mac Brown was in Friday Night Lights. That's right. Season one, episode one, he had a cameo. Next time we have him on, we need to ask him how awesome it was hanging out yeah. with Coach T. Yeah, they probably they probably went and broke down film for a while after that. I I think that that is one of his greatest career accomplishments of many. Right, but of all of them, that's the highest. I wanted to read you this real quick. It's like a baby story time, and you know who it's from? Tom Suter. Mm. Tom Suter with the story. Uh, and this also relates to Mac Brown. He wanted to know if we knew the story of how Mac Brown helped save Football Friday in the early 90s. I did not know this. I didn't either. When David Letterman moved to CBS, remember that? Yes. Tom Suter asked management, what about Football Friday? And management said, we may not do it. Tom Suter went to Ken Browning, who was then head of the High School Coaches Association, and Ken Browning got every high school coach in the area to write a letter for us. Tom Suter was covering the Carolina-Virginia basketball game and ran into Mac Brown in the elevator. Mac Brown said every Friday he and his staff watched Football Friday and loved the show. Tom Suter told him the show might be canceled. Mac Brown asked if there was anything he could do, and he wrote a tremendous letter. And after the GM of the station received the letter, he came down to Tom Suter and told me, call off the dogs, they'll do the show on Friday, and delay the David Letterman show. Tom Suter has always given Coach Brown a lot of credit for the show continuing, and it is still going strong at 39 years. A couple of things. Number one, that wasn't even a mini story time. That's a full story time, especially when Tom Suter sends it in. We love Tom Suter. Number two, I love Football Friday. I still watch it. If I if I'm a re if I think about, it, I'll watch it now. I love Football Friday. It's the it's the best. And thirdly, I like how Mac Brown was like, "Oh no, Tom Suter, you're not getting football canceled." My staff and I watch Football Friday. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to watch David imagine, Letterman. Can you imagine like Donnie Thompson <laughs> and Mac Brown? <laughs> They're all huddled around the TV. Come on, guys. <laughs> Tommy S. is about, come on, Football Friday. <laughs> Let's go. We, we just got through seeing some jam burgers, <laughs> and we're about to watch this. And, Donnie, now you control your anger and just wait till tomorrow <laughs> at Carter Finley Stadium, and you guys, can get as mad as you want to. Guys, Clayton's playing Garner. Gotta, <laughs> let's see the highlights. Let's go to the videotape. Let's go to the videotape. I'm not surprised that Mac Brown would have a hand in such an awesome show with yeah. an awesome host. Yes. Those all sound like things that should be together. That story is 100% true. Not that I would doubt it that Tom Suter would tell us something that wasn't. Right. But I know even if, that, even if you hadn't have told me that was from Tom Suter, I would know that's true. Yeah. Okay. couple of things quickly, Adam. And then I'm going to get to the story time and then we're outie. 
we got sent this has been uh, hot on the internet streets about the new ABC song and how nobody likes it. Yeah, it's terrible. Don't mess with the ABC song. Why Why is there a new ABC song? No one needs it. It's just like no one needs a new happy birthday song. These are fine. They're fine the way they are. Just leave it. We don't want it. We don't need it. Red Edward says, is this an I don't even want this? I think it could be. I like ABC songs. We need the letters. We need the alphabet. Yeah. Right. But I don't need the new song. Were you aware of the state song? Yes. Really? Only because my I know of a state song that my daughter learned in school to help learn the states. Did you see Taylor Swift singing the state song? No. She did. I didn't know there was a state song. Not like the state song of North Carolina, but all the states. Yeah, yeah you have all the right. states. John Crisp, who had the not safe for work uh, story time <laughs> from the other day, sent us a tweet that had a DTH evidence of the story that he told. So you can uh, go check that out on Twitter. John Crisp sent that to us. The outlaw John Crisp. (laughs) Wild man out on the streets. Ed Page reminded us, Adam mentioned this, I think last Halloween about rotten zombie Skittles. Mm. I don't even want this. You're right. I do want Skittles other than the obvious green apple. Uh, But we definitely don't want rotten zombie Skittles. Mm -mm. Terrible idea. Skittles, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. You've got it. You, you had it. You had it with the rainbow. You still mostly have it other than green apple. Just stay in the lane. You're a great post player, and you can shoot out to the free throw line. Yeah. Don't you don't go, have to shoot three-pointers. Don't go chucking threes. Brandon Rushing asked, is he the only one who likes the green apple Skittles? Yes. Yes, Brandon. You, you are. are the one. We you, found you now. You are the only one. I took another look at Tar Heel Tim. You know who he reminds me of? The Fruit of the Loom guy. Remember uh. how Fruit of the Loom had the, had the bundle of grapes? Yeah. <laughs> Must be the bundle of grapes guy. I thought it was funny. You have it there, and hopefully you can remember that someone told us that it had to be pronounced with the extra syllable. Team. 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 Yeah. Tar Heel Team. Got a couple people sent us this about the ESPN ranked potential super teams, mm. and one of them was a potential 97 Tar Heel team that had Vince Carter, Antoine Jamison, Jerry Stackhouse, Kobe Bryant, and Rashid Wallace as the starting five. Yes. I think we can all agree. That would be a good team. Kobe Bryant's always yeah, – I can never tell. Like Half the time he says he wanted to go to Carolina and half the time he says he wanted to go to Duke. Look, Kobe, I respect you, Black Mamba, <laughs> but you can't ride the line on Carolina Duke. Yeah, you're going to have to decide. Pick a, pick a side. Yeah, and I'll respect you more if you pick, even yeah. if you pick Duke. But if you keep saying this 50-50, yeah. homie, don't play that. Mandy Yankee. Sent us our annual Roy Williams the dog tweet. Roy Williams the dog. His name is Roy Williams, and he dresses up as Roy Williams. And it's Halloween. Thank you, Mandy. Hope your pup's doing well. Speaking of dog Halloween, don't forget Kevin Guskowitz's dog, uh, Charlie, named after Charlie Choo Choo Justice. He also dressed up for Halloween, and his little his, his dog bandana said, "Ceiling is the woof." See, that's you know, good. That's clever. Uh, at tar underscore heel underscore blue sent us this tweet. He said he found this gym when he was, uh, I was given from my great uncle after a clean out of the attic, Adam. It's a photo of Dean Smith wearing like a, uh, like a little red riding hood costume, hiding the, uh, 
hiding the big sledgehammer behind the back. He had just yep. hit a giant NC State wolf on the head. Coach Smith, the cartoon caricature, Coach Smith is smiling real big. We have that photo, Adam. Yeah. We had it in the old Pod World headquarters. Is it? Is it signed? Yeah, McNe the dude Jeff, who did Jeff McNelly. Yeah, who did uh, Peanuts did it, right? No. no, the guy who did Shoe. Excuse me, Shoe. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we have that photo. Tar uh, at Tar underscore Heel underscore Blue wants to know: Is anyone? Do we know anyone who could restore it and get out the creases? That mm. seems like that's. It's already. I, I think that's already. It's already out of the box. I don't think you're getting it back in. Don't have the answer to that one, but it's Jeff McNelly. Adam, I think he won a Pulitzer Prize. If not, I just gave him one. Join the list. We won a potty. <laughs> what up? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam, our final entry of the pod today is a story time submission from Matt Davidson. Matt Davidson sent this in. And it involves big grits, and so we thought it would be a perfect time to read this one. This would have been a strong contender, in my opinion, Adam, for the Duke tickets, but Matt told us he didn't want the Duke tickets. He already had them. He wanted somebody else who wasn't going to go to the game previously to go. It's a very noble and, quite honestly, pretty darn classy of Matt Davidson, if you ask me. Matt Davidson, Tom Suter. Something Adam said earlier in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so classy. Coach Taylor. Yeah. And Tammy also. Just two regular Americans out there working hard to make it, Adam. Their problems were everyday America problems. And there's football. <laughs> more, how could you not love Friday night? And Mac Brown. <sighs> Mr. Goose Honkers, you beautiful soul back into our lives so soon so soon you yourself get those wings unfurled sir because it's time for matt davidson's story adam which starts like this it was the summer of 2008 michael phelps was tearing through beijing Tyler Hansbro jumping off rooftops. The Tar Heels were gearing up to take the basketball world by storm the upcoming season. Matt was a young teenager at the time, was very much looking forward to the long weekend ahead, his first trip to Carolina family camp in the North Carolina mountains. That's what Adam calls a regular weekend at his house. My extended family, quickly, that's Matt's, not mine, made up almost exclusively of Tariels and their children, made this trip every year and always returned telling wonderful stories of campfires, swimming, other outdoor, outdoor activities, and oh yeah, the fact that Eric Montross taught a basketball clinic for the kids. Honestly, Adam, several things that just go together. Campfires, outdoor activities, and big grits. Just makes sense. Is this heaven? No, it's Carolina family camp. Sounds like heaven. <laughs> Needless to say, Matt was always getting incredibly jealous of his cousins for getting to participate, so he jumped at the opportunity this year to join. So excited to put on his name tag on the first night, signifying the start 
of camp activities. The alumni all had the year in which they graduated below their names. Wanting to join in on the fun, he grabbed a marker and wrote Class of 2015. He had thought about that name tag often since, most notably in May of 2015 when he earned his chemistry degree from the University of North Carolina. Boston Carolina Family Camp! <laughs> Circle of life. Matt just put you in the torture chamber. <laughs> Isn't that what Big Grits likes to say? <laughs> Adam, will you please stop giggling? <laughs> Unless you're high on life. <laughs> As I'm sure you would expect, the best part of the weekend by a long shot was the basketball clinic with Big Grits. Eric was an incredible host and pr uh, proved a great teacher of basketball. Something I would expect. In addition to working through fundamentals, something Eric is very solid in, Adam, of shooting and post play, he entertained the kids and gave an extended Q&A. As a diehard Tar Heel and wannabe big man whose body forgot to keep growing, I feel you. Adam just threw his hands to the heavens. Matt was on cloud nine, getting to spend an hour in the gym with one of his Tar Heel idols. The real fun, however, came after the clinic was over. Eric was just standing just off the court, talking with a couple of parents. I was walking back to the cabin with my dad, who made an offhand comment about how funny it would be to see Matt play Eric one-on-one -on -one in hoops. Matt jokingly agreed. He then, in one of the greatest parenting decisions of all time, did the only thing that could have overcome Matt's fear of approaching the seven-foot All-America NCAA champion, Jersey in the Rafter NBA player. Adam, Matt's dad threw down a big-time dare. It would be a terrible story if Big Grits had said no. <laughs> Luckily, that's not the kind of person Eric is. And of course, he was more than happy to humor a young fan. So we walked to the top of the key. He tossed me the ball. Feeling about two and a half feet tall, Matt asked what the rules would be. We would play to three, said Eric. By ones and twos, check it up. That's one thing I miss about playing uh, basketball yeah. anymore because I can't add them because I'm old. I can't check it up anymore. Check it up. And then there's sometimes like a little too aggressive. Check yeah. it up when you're mad. Remember when your kids were like really little and you could amaze them by checking it up like oh. with spin on the oh, ball? Oh, I still do that. Yeah. I can spin it. And every time my son like – Moves to the right because he thinks yeah. it's over there. Boom. Oh, it jumped on you. You got to learn it spinning. I put some English on that thing. You call me fats. It's at this point that Matt will tell you about an ongoing conversation he had with his friends while shooting hoops at the local YMCA. We pretended to be various UNC and NBA players. Yeah, of course. We'd discuss what would happen if we were ever to have the opportunity to go up against an actual professional baller. None of us would, none of us were more or anything more than average play after school for fun type of players, and they knew it. But still, it was fun to imagine being on the same court as one of the world's best, if for no other reason than to see firsthand just how good at basketball a human could be. We promised, we made a promise to each other, not ever intending to have the opportunity to keep it. It was, Adam, that if they were ever to play against someone at that level, we would request that said person play their hardest. So here was Matt in that exact situation and was determined to keep his word to his bros. So he asked Eric to give it all for one possession. 
everything that Big Grits had. Every buttery spoonful of goodness. <laughs> Big Grits laughed in his face. Looking back. In it, a nice way. Oh, yeah, of course. Classically, classically way. It probably had the same effect <laughs> as if a four-year-old had asked me <laughs> that question. After I insisted, Eric agreed. Matt understands that that probably actually meant his effort level went from 1% to 5%, but at the time, he was sure it may as well have been MJ squaring up against Patrick Ewing. Matt took a couple of hard dribbles to my left, stopped on a dime, to which Matt said, okay, a half dollar, and went into his signature shot, <laughs> the fadeaway. It was unguardable, thought Matt. But Eric reached up, flat-footed, and grabbed the ball. He literally grabbed the ball out of the air effortlessly. He then lifted out of my hands and held it straight up, approximately 15 feet in the air. Eric then gave me a calm look that said all Matt needed to hear. Turns out the seven-foot NBA player was pretty good at defense. Matt got the ball back out of pity, actually managed to score a couple of baskets, including a reverse layup. Was it a complete and utter gift with zero defensive effort? Of course. Did Matt still feel like a baller? Absolutely. Unfortunately, he missed his third shot and was forced to surrender the ball back to Eric. He checked it, took a dribble at the top of the key, and picked it up. Eric wasn't going to post Matt up after all. He had a chance to defend him and get the ball back, or so Matt thought, until he lifted the ball to his chest. And Matt realized something. There was no way Matt was getting within three feet of Eric's release point. Matt could be inside his jersey, and he'd still be shooting a wide-open jumper. So Matt only had one option left. That was to psych him out with some trash talk. He busted out some of these gems, Adam. Go ahead and put on your uh, earmuffs if you've got some <laughs> youth out there. <laughs> All right, this is going to be like John Chris's story. Yeah. I'm going to have to beep it out. You're a big man. You don't shoot threes. Oh, no, he did. <laughs> you can't score outside the post. Oh, snap. <laughs> Go ahead. You won't shoot it. Don't hurt him, Matt. <laughs> Eric let him finish. Again, he couldn't even reach the ball. Eric had nothing but time. <laughs> then he calmly squared up and with a light flick of his wrist, swished it home. Matt checked the ball up. Eric repeated swish. Game over. 4-2. Big Grits is the champion. I may not have won the matchup, says Matt, but I felt like the luckiest person in the world. Eric was so incredibly kind and in a moment of generosity gave young me the most amazing, unique Carolina basketball memory I could have asked for. And now for the rest of Matt's life, when he sees Big Grits on the mic at basketball games, he'll think, I can elbow my friends and family and say, I scored a basket on Big Grits. Adam, what a story. There are a couple things I really like about that story. One is Matt and all his friends at the local YMCA, <laughs> they take a break from their game of pickup to pledge to each other that when they inevitably encounter an NBA baller. Guys, guys when I'm one-on-one -on -one with Penny Hardaway, <laughs> I promise I'm going to tell him to go all out. When I see Mitch Richmond, I'm going to tell him to go 100% and the rest of Run TMC. I, I picture like them all standing in a circle, like they put the basketball down at midcourt and circle up around it. Guys, do you all pledge to 
demand that your NBA adversary go full out. I do. All right, we're going to need to cut your finger. Everybody puts your finger in the middle. <laughs> we're going to be blood brothers. That's dangerous. Now, not then it wasn't. And then I also like how when Matt was recounting the game, like Matt clearly understands that Big Grits was better than him at basketball. However, Matt does want to mention that one of those buckets was a reverse layup. <laughs> he used the rim <laughs> so Eric couldn't block the shot. That is fundamentally sound. He said Eric had taught him the fundamentals. Yeah. Adam, before we go, please fire up your tractor. you know any Tar Heel fans that work selflessly to improve the lives of others in their communities? Well, if you do, LS Tractor wants to know about them. LS Tractor and the Tar Heels have partnered up to recognize hometown heroes from throughout the state. Visit GoHeels.com slash hero to nominate someone you know for a chance to be recognized on the court at an upcoming basketball game. LS Tractor, proud partner of Carolina Athletics. Adam, let's hope there are no anger dances needed this weekend. Hope it's all joy. All bro hugs. All Tar Heel. Hashtag Tar Heel bro hugs. Nothing but bro hugs. For now. If you send us a great Tar Heel bro hug video, there's a chance there could be tickets for you. Holy cow. I'm just saying there's a chance. I can't see the future. For now, we're going to let Justin Pierce and the RZA send you into a big time Tar Heel weekend on the latest edition of the Carolina Insider. I'm Justin Pierce. See you later, Big Grits. When I was small, we had nothing at all. We used to eat grits for dinner. Pound box of sugar and a stick of margin. A hot pot of grits kept my family from starving. Steamy hot meal served less than five minutes. Big silver pot, boiling water, salt in it. House full of brothers and sisters, the pot's missing. Pilgrim on a box on the stove in the kitchen. When I was small, we had nothing at all. We used to eat grits for The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Tar Heel Sports Network. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.